Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Now we're coming to the word this morning and as Andy says, we're into this little series just to start the year off called Don't Forget. And there's going to be some slides going up as Morgan just puts them up. And uh, the reason for this is just to help you with the message. Um, I'm not going to dwell at the slides, but there's just a few going up that will help you with the message. There's some notes going up. If you want to take a photograph on your phone or your iPad, it's okay. There's no copyright. Um, I'll just be at the door at the end with a bucket. All right. But, 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 but so just however you, you, you may be a person like me that loves to jot down notes, but, but get what you can from the next 30 minutes as we share. So the first week, as you uh, remember, just to encourage us, was don't forget prayer and fasting. Jesus didn't uh, teach those things as suggestions, but as, as assumptions. When you pray, when you fast. And then last week, Christian was here uh, speaking about don't forget worship. What's at the very centre of our lives? And the reality is everybody's worshipping something. There are thousands of people today worshipping retail. You go down to that Ikea island at Gilbrook this afternoon, you can't get near the place. Um, and uh, there'll be people worshipping sport this morning, etc., uh, etc. Et and we believe as Christians that our life centres around God's. That that's what we've been made for. That that's what our purpose is. And if you've never found God in Jesus, before the service concludes, we'll give you an opportunity to begin that journey. Like all of we are, we're on a journey. None of us are perfect. We're still growing and developing. But don't forget worship. And this morning, simply, we're going to encourage every one of us, including the preacher, to don't forget the Bible. Don't forget the Bible. And here's the text for this morning. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 25. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses before that. It says in verse 22, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you are, have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. All the people are like grass, and all the glory is like the flower of the fields. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that is preached unto you. God is saying that the glory of man comes and goes. Uh, that people get raised up and put down. People come to government. People come to high office. People run businesses. But they come and go. The, the Bible says that, that the reality of our life in the light of eternity, all before us and all to come, is that we're just a vapour. That doesn't demean us. It's just giving a context of our life is very short and small in the light of all the bigness of God. But we come and go. The glory of man comes and goes like the grass withers and flowers. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that is preached unto you. Now this morning, we don't have time and it's not the place for me to give an apologetic for the Bible. By that, I mean I'm not apologizing for the Bible, but to give credible reasons for the claim that the Bible makes of itself that it's breathed on by God. 
2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired of God. And the word there literally means breathed on by him. Around about 36 men and, men and women over a 1600 year period putting together the 66 books of the Old and New Testament that we know as Christians as the Bible. An amazing thread through it. Some people try and sort of say, oh, well, the Old Testament's so different from the New. No, it was pointing us to Jesus. There were reasons that the Old Testament had to be processed. Again, we don't have time to articulate those this morning. But apologetics in our cynical, unbelieving society is very important. And there are some great writers around like Paul Little, the late Paul Little, Josh McDowell, Ravi Zacharias, and people like that. And if you're the sort of person, maybe you're in a work context where you're working with a lot of thinkers, and they're forever saying, why? Why? You know, and uh, and and uh, and they want a credible reason. Then I encourage you to get hold of not complicated book, but books that will help you put in their hands a reason, a credible reason for why we believe what we believe. The Bible. I don't have time this morning to uh, uh, show you how the Bible was framed together in a miraculous and supernatural way to come what we call the canon or rule of Scripture. That word canon has more than one reason. I can see some of you going, that's a canon, you know. But the the rule of Scripture. And around about three, four hundred years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the canon, the rule of Scripture was accepted as the God-breathed word, which is what we come to know as the Bible. We believe in the Bible. Somebody says the answer to every objection of the Bible is the Bible. No, the reason we're here this morning, friends, is for me as one of the leaders of Arena Church to simply reaffirm in Arena Church Mansfield as a group of Christians that gather regularly that we believe the Bible. We are shaped by the Bible And we seek to minister from the Bible. We do that on a regular, consistent basis by God's grace. And here's the reality. You may be a new Christian. You may be a Christian of 30, 40, 50 years of age. You may be a Christian that's got some challenges, as Andy alluded to, in the prayer time. But God wants to continue to minister to every one of us. And really, the passion of this morning is at whatever level we'd all engage with the Bible in a little bit more of a progressive way. It may be that God's going to speak to you this year and you're going to say, you know, I need to be at that ministry school next year because I've got to give myself for that concentrated time to the Bible. If I can say it respectfully this morning, it may be that you don't read the Bible regularly and you've not even got a plan for this year. And please, I'm not condemning you. I'm just trying to encourage you before we get to the end of the first month to have a plan in place. I'm not asking you to read 47 chapters every morning before you go to work, but maybe 10, 12 verses that will set you up with a spiritual meal that will help your life in Jesus' name. I hope you believe and recognize that in Arena Church, we're passionate about the Bible. We believe it. We want to share it in an appropriate way. Now, let me take you to that little time between Christmas and New Year. 
you know, you've had those two or three days where and then there's those two or three quieter days. I say this because I realise there's the emergency services, there's care workers, there's catering, everybody still wants bread. and So lots of people get uh, not a lot of time off. But I've always enjoyed, when I was bivocational as well as uh, in secular work and ministry, I always enjoyed those few what we would call quiet lazy days go on admit it you didn't put the alarm on on the 29th of december and before you knew what had happened it was half past nine i mean when was the last time you did that and during those days i i like to start filling in my journal for this year lots of people have different approaches to journaling this year is quite special because a couple of friends from beth sham brought me this journal and it's got my name on the bottom but for 2019 I'm starting to think. And what the first thing I did was I put down what I call life verses. Now, Christian and me have a little bit of a joke because we've had people come to Arena and the preacher says, this is a life verse. And really, it's been an excuse for the fact that they preach that message everywhere they go. Um, but life verses, so <clears throat> verses that have meant a lot to me. And uh, the list is growing, but at the moment, it's up to about 50 And uh, I wrote this little preamble to the life verses. Please excuse uh, the personal nature of it, but I'm trying to just let you in a little bit to me this morning. So this is it verbatim. It says, The Bible is God's amazing, breathed on, enduring word for all times and seasons. People have tried to ban it, banish it, burn it and belittle it. Yet it prevails, forever settled in heaven. It's been my calling and privilege to preach the Word of God nearly all my adult life. Next August, 40 years in ministry. The week before that, we got married. 28th of July, 40 years. And now they've gone on these exotic honeymoons for about 17 weeks somewhere, you know. But we had six days in York and uh, came back a day early. And the following Sunday, I preached twice. See, I was even getting messages ready on my honeymoon. No, it wasn't, wasn't quite like that. But And there we've gone. Below is my life verses. And uh, the list will get longer. This is me talking again. The life verses have uh, upheld my life. They've taken us through and they've glued together all of the journey. And uh, so we're, we're sort of coming to a milestone this year. And it was just a reflection for me that one of the things that's helped us on that journey, raised two kids, now in grandparent season, little lad's got chicken pots this week, all that sort of stuff, you know. But in all of that, ministering in church, being part of Arena Church for the last 11 and a half years, all of that has been held together by the word of God. Now, let me just share one or two life verses with you. And they're not all from Psalms, but here's one or two from Psalms. Psalm 23, 5. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Sharon and me have a a quote. Sometimes we'll walk away from somewhere and say there were no no oil on that. And uh, there's been oil here this morning. No, oil from heaven. Anointing. That's what the Bible calls it. And it makes everything run with ease. The Bible, uh, what about Psalm 69, 1? Save me, O Lord, for the waters have come up to my neck. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> Something's gone wrong at work. Financial, se- save me, O Lord. What about this one? 
Psalm 56, 3, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. Some of you don't think pastors get afraid, but they do. They do. Some of the things we have to confront. And so when we're afraid, we put our trust in the Lord. What about this one? Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, when I was born in the old Peel Street Maternity Hospital in Nottingham on the June the 7th, 1955, it wasn't a mistake. I didn't come a day early, I didn't come a day late. I'm not in the wrong generation. I don't wish I was in this generation. I don't wish I was in Victorian times, Edwardian times, whatever. I, I was born right in the ordained purpose of God. And I've had lies set against me. I've had people come against me. I've had false accusations against me. But you press through because you are living in the ordained purpose of God. For those of you that are even older than me, and some of you are working it out right now, let me just, let me just get your concentration back. I'm 64 in June. Okay, let's move on. But those, God's still got a plan for you. I speak to every young person here this morning, every young family, every young person. God has got a plan for you in this complex generation, a plan that works best when you put Jesus first in your Life. My generation has had to navigate the biggest shift in society for 200 years. That was when we had the Industrial Revolution. I know you're going to find it hard to believe, but at school we did not have computers. We really didn't. And Twitter and Instagram and Bebo and whoa, what's all that? And I think actually we've done pretty well. I know some of you think I can't stand an email, but it is, it, that, that is a lie. You see, that is not true. That is not true. Of course, I'm not a whiz like some people around here. They're just incredible. But living in the ordained purpose of God. You might be looking even into next week, never mind about next year, with some foreboding. God's got it covered. Commit it to God. Commit it to God in Jesus' Jesus' name. Now, let me just say this. Uh, Morgan, if you put that quote up, please. This is a quote from a great church leader that says, reading the Bible daily will keep us in range of God's voice. Reading the Bible daily will keep us in range of God's voice. Please listen to the next little bit very carefully. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. Now, there are some... uh, uh, parts of the body of Christ that believe it's the only way. Uh, There would be reformed in theology. Great people. They would believe that the only way in this apostolic age that God can speak is through the Bible. We are what we call a spirit-filled community. We believe in prophecy. We believe in dreams and visions. Young men seeing dreams. Old men seeing visions. I'm still a dreamer. Okay, so, so... but we believe in that. We believe in the prophetic word. We, believe, we want to give room for that in prayer times, in corporate prayer situations. We want to believe for all of that. But listen, nothing of the Spirit will ever contradict the enduring words. It's a great safeguard for us. If somebody comes to you and says, I've got a prophecy for you. And the prophecy is at odds with the word of God. Guess what? It's not a true prophecy. Prophecy can't go against the word. It can't go outside of the words. 
The word is the safeguard for the expression of the spirit. Now, there's two things I want to do in the second part of the message. Number one, I'm going to put a list up for you. Uh, It's going to be a list of 10, and they're going to come up in blocks of five. But there's two things I want to do in the closing part of the message. Number one, I want to use some descriptions, metaphors, illustrations that the Bible uses of itself to give you a little way of how God can work in our lives through his word. If we can have the first list up more. Yeah, here's the first. So the Bible describes itself as a fire. And I've checked all the Bible references, so for time, I'm not going to read them. But if you want to take the list, as I say, photograph the list, use it this week to help your Bible readings, then please do so. The Bible is a fire. It brings warmth. It ignites. It attracts. It purges. It does all of those things. The Bible, friends, is a lamp. The Bible, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Two things that light particularly do. Number one, that it brings protection. There was a Cornish chemist called Humphrey Davy who became knighted, Sir Humphrey Davy, who um, invented a light that the miners could, old mining community here, massive old mining communities, you know, that they would take down the pit that would help them be protected against toxic gases. Now, mining has and still is around the world a very, very dangerous occupation where we cannot say that anybody will never be injured or sadly even on occasions lose their life. But many lives were saved because light bought protection. I want to tell you that when you allow the word of God to be alive in your life, it will, it will signal to you toxic situations that you need to be aware of if there's a friendship that is forever wrecking your spiritual journey the light shining on it and starting to say something to you and then of course it brings illumination and however little light light always overcomes darkness god is light You wouldn't think much of the preacher this morning if we're saying God's black, God's dark, God's gloomy, God's over, God is light. And so walk in the light as he is in the light. He's saying, Phil, I'm not sure of the pathway ahead. I'm not sure of the next few months. I'm not sure what God's got for me. God's able to bring illumination to your journey. He really is personally to you number three a mirror james one and the illustration is this that if we when we stand in front of the bible sometimes it's like standing in front of a mirror it shows us exactly who we are i know some of you have been avoiding the mirror since your christmas excess but the reality is it doesn't lie it shows you that you have put those few extra pounds on And the Bible says, don't be like the person that looks in the mirror and then goes away forgetting what's been revealed to them. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And then fourthly, the Bible is is milk and meat, or in some translations it said strong food. you, you'll know that uh, uh, vegan diets are very in vogue at the moment. And please, if, you, if you're big on that, don't get me at the door and, and so say you use the word me. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an illustration. 
But here's the truth. God wants us to progress in our imbibing of the word. I get so frustrated with this when somebody says, well, yeah, the meat is sort of like for a special few. Oh, yeah, 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 we're into that doctrine. You know, it's the meat. It doesn't mean that. It means that when you become a Christian, just like when a baby is birthed into into the world, it's weaned from its mother's milk, and then it becomes strong. No good saying to our Caleb, who's 20 months going on seven. No good saying to him, he's big. No good saying to him, mate, you're just on the bottle forever. Okay, just milk. milk." He's moving on. And so it is with us. He's not talking about getting hold of uh, complicated issues that are just for the few. It's God's encouragement to you to move on. Let me tell you, Andy's mentioned this morning, water baptism is milk. I don't get it when somebody says, I'm still thinking about it. There is nothing to think about. Repent, which means turn the opposite direction and be baptized. It's the first expression publicly of you committing to the word of God. And I encourage you this morning, if you want to move to the meat, to process the milk. And when there's an opportunity, sign up at the resource table afterwards and be baptized. Number five, it speaks about seed. Seed. And we read in 1 Peter about the incorruptible seed that causes us to be born again. Now, I, I, use, I, I, re, I realize that we, we recently in, our, in Arena Ilkeston have, have uh, had a, a guy... Um, come to us who's one of the top horticulturalists from this area he teaches at a college he's doing a a huge exhibition later in the year i mean plants flowers you name it he's the expert my marriage has stayed intact despite the fact that when i go gardening i'm a binge gardener the fact is that sometimes i've pulled up plants that i thought were weeds you see (laughs) So I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum, and Sharon's very patiently put up with me at times, much, much to her angst, um, in the sense of, what you pulled that up for? Well, I thought it were a weed, you know. And uh, so we have experts around the room that know how to till the ground, and maybe you can't wait for this cold, bleak winter to finish so that you can get in the garden again. Um, and... But you do that, we may have farming backgrounds here, you plant seeds with the expectation of harvest. And God's seed gets planted into our hearts with the expectation it will produce a harvest. And if you want to be fruitful in your life, then just keep letting the incorruptible seed find a bed in your heart and it will inevitably happen inevitably now let's move on quickly because the second uh, uh, the sword of the spirit uh, ephesians 6, 6 17 there's two words for word in the new testament the first one is logos the general word of god the other word is rhema which is often used in a context of battle a specific word for a specific situation so in the context of our worship time this morning The Bible tells us that the enemy is the father of lies. So don't be surprised sometimes when a lie comes against you. Sometimes it's articulated by somebody else. Maybe a member of the family, sadly. Somebody at work. 
So don't be surprised. But the rhema words, a specific word for a specific situation, he's able to push back on that and confess that Jesus is the truth that speaks over our life. Just one example. But using the word of God as a sword. And then water. Ephesians 5, 26. The washing of the water of the word. You've come to church this morning. You've, you've, you've been in a work context this week where you've heard Jesus' name taken in vain. You've had to walk away from some dodgy jokes. Um, you felt sullied. You felt um, that the world has touched you. It's right where you need to be because God says that we are in the world but not of it. And then you come to church this morning. You, you, you've, you've made a priority. You've brought the family. The word of God starts to come out. One of the things that we want the word of God to do every week is to wash wash now after christmas i left my car i left my car i, I washed my car i'll get it i'll go to the car wash i left it and left it and left it oh what a mess it was in particularly when i'd gone on a long journey and i came back and then and it looked like a new car it is not a new car uh, but and that's the word of god this morning the washing of the water, beautiful. Yeah. The Bible's gold. If I talk about gold, you're thinking of value, value. And the Bible is incredibly, it's full of gold nuggets. The Bible is bread. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Again, in Arena Ilkeston, we have a baker. He's Filipino by origin, and I said, Noel, you're still getting the bread out of a Christmas. Yeah, it's no good Noel coming to me today and saying, mate, I baked this bread on the 20th of December. But it'll be all right. It's fresh bread. Fresh bread. And you need to know, friends, that one of the commitments of the ministry team from Arena, however good or bad we may be, is that we desire to continually minister fresh breads into the church. Because we can't live by bread alone. And finally, anchor. Speaking about a stable, um, secure situation in the storms of life. Hebrews, talking about the promise of God, says that this is an anchor for the soul, sure and certain. It may be that you're in a storm situation at the moment. I prophesy with you that a storm is going to come to an end. That God's going to bring you through. That God knows everything about the situation. You will prevail. And in it all, you will prove that the word of God is the anchor to your soul. There's a place of serenity. There's a place of calm. There's a place of tranquility coming for that person that's been in the storm. Allow the word of God to continue to be the anchor. And then as I close, I'm going to give you seven things that are going to come up about an attitude to read in the Bible. Now, this is not a one to seven list. It's interchangeable. Uh, It's not a priority list. It may be that some of you have to work at it more than others. But let me just run through it to which we close. Forgive the word it for the Bible. But uh, read the word of God regularly, regularly. Make it a regular meal. Now, a meal. How many people in the morning get up when you're eating your Kellogg's cornflakes or your Quaker Oats say, thank God, that was an amazing meal. You're bleary-eyed, you've just had some coffee. You know, you, but you realise that you've rebooted your metabolism and it sets you up for the day ahead. But when I'm coming in sometimes late and Sharon's uh, here and 
She's got a tasty meal on the go. Not at the moment, of course. We've got to wait till the tasty, you know, uh, it's simple meals at the moment in the evening. But a tasty meal. Oh, oh, this is going to be good. This is, and it's the same with the Bible. Sometimes you will read the Bible. You will not feel two foot off the ground as though you're being transported to heaven. But listen, it's still done you good. It's still done you good. Read it regularly. Read it prayerfully. Ask God to help you. Here's a little acrostic that helps. SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application. What's God trying to say to me? And prayer. Read it um, carefully. Try and find some unhurried moments in the day. I don't know, for some of you, the day starts very, very early. But you know, when you've got them f- three kids around, you sort of, Mom, Mom, you know, we're going to school. I'm trying to read the Bible. Yeah! You know, try and find somewhere. Uh, it could be in the morning, but it may be later at night for you. But some unhurried moments somewhere in the lay-by, in the car, getting the Bible out of the glove box. You've got those 20 minutes before that next pesky meeting. And just reading the word, whatever works for you. We're not being prescriptive, but seek to read the Bible carefully. Seek to read the word of God openly. Let me ask you the question. What is your attitude when God's word nails you? Woo! Oh! What is... Read it openly, submissively. God, you're saying something to me about that. You're talking to my life. I receive it into my life because I know it's going to do me good. Read the word of God. Um, uh, honestly. So, if look, let me. There are parts of the Bible that are difficult to understand. If you've never read the Bible, don't start with Ezekiel. Because he's a prophet of pictures, wheels spinning round. Woo! It's all got something to say, but it may be not the greatest thought. You know, there's some difficult... And find somebody saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? People will help you. Read the word of God. Honestly, read the word of God meditatively. What do I mean by this? Listen, one of our royal princes has had a lot of publicity this week about meditation. I'm not talking about emptying your mind and meditating on nothing. The Bible never teaches that. The Bible says that we are to meditate on the Word. Somebody says that the meditation on the Word is the digestive system of the soul. I wish I could come up with a phrase like that. The digestive system of the soul. Allowing the Word of God ruminate the Word. It's those unhurried moments again. It doesn't have to be two hours. It could be just a few minutes in your busy world where you unhurriedly allow the word to ruminate in your soul. And finally, read the word of God systematically. Those of you in sales will have heard your sales manager say that if you uh, don't have a plan uh, in place, or rather failing to plan is planning to fail. So how many calls you got? I ain't got any. Guess what? You're not going to make any sales. I'm talking out of experience. I was in that for years. Um, so systematically, let me carefully ask you, have you got a plan for this year? Sue, Sue uh, Buckley from our Arena Ilkeston, she kindly spends hours 
putting together a, a reading plan for the month that connects with the ministry. It's available on the website. There'll be copies at the resource table. Take it. There's all sorts of plans out there. Joyce Meyer, Brian Houston, Rick Warren, all of those great global ministries, they have devotional plans. Something to help you read the Bible, few verses, systematically every day. That's it, Arena. Don't forget prayer and fasting. Don't forget worship. And don't forget the Bible. May all of us remain in range of God's voice. The Bible is prophetic, it's present. And it's purposeful. May it help every one of us to find the blessing of receiving his word.